We do not know how old Jeremiah was when he was called to the prophetic work and his ministry, but the way in which he describes it at the first of this book, he says, Then I said, Ah, Lord, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. Certainly he was young, and he was inexperienced in what he was being asked to do. And it was overwhelming, no doubt, to him to take up the reins of the Lord's prophetic ministry and to share with the world around him a message that the world does not want to hear. And that is that you were being unfaithful. This is what God put in his heart and put in his vision, that the people of Judah and Israel were being very defiant. There was an unfaithfulness on their part that brought a calamitous sort of event that led to the destruction of the greatest city in the nation. Jerusalem fell to Babylon. And Jeremiah knew and did not fail to bring it to the people's attention that it was because of their sin and their forgetfulness about others and caring for others that brought this tragedy. There is an anguish to his thinking. And as he describes that in the fourth chapter, he says, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart. My heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. I know that you have respect for Scripture. I suspect not only do you think about it on Sunday, but every other day during the week. You may be one of those persons that keeps your Bible close at hand. I've known people to keep their Bible close at hand, but it gathers much dust where it's located. You, I would imagine, are the opposite of that, opening the Scripture and reading through to the precious words that are shared with us, the covenant of God that is contained within this assembly of pages. The words from the psalmist are fascinating because they show forth just how deep the psalmist's respect for the word is. In the 19th chapter, you remember these words, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And this is one of my favorite parts here because I love honey so much too. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And you will remember the last verse in this 19th chapter of Psalms. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The psalmist over in the longest chapter, the 119th chapter of Psalms, continues to speak of his love for the Lord, 
uh, and the covenant that is present in the holy word and the law. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. And then another very familiar word in the 105th verse of this chapter. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I remember that old story of Fiddler on the Roof. Do you all remember that? And how Tevia was at conflict throughout the story. But Tevia, who is living out a very simple life, at one point sings a song, If I Were a Rich Man. And you remember how that goes, don't you? If I were a rich man. That's enough of that from me, though. <laughs> but you, you remember that song. Um, it's, it's fascinating because Tevya is, is not wishing for himself that he would be a rich man. Although he is not opposed to what riches can bring, but he finally, in the, in the song, comes to the place where he lets it be known one of the main reasons that he would like to be rich. And he says, if I were rich, I'd have the time that I lack to sit in the synagogue and pray and maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. And I'd discuss the holy books with the learned men several hours every day. That would be the sweetest thing of all fascinating to think about life being centered on the word the word of God is contained in the scripture words find their way into places of being forgotten by us in fact it is a great curse upon our life that leads us into much unfaithfulness especially in matters of justice, which is what was going on here. Jeremiah <clears throat> makes it clear that, that uh, his understanding of Judah and Judah's disobedience to God has to do with their not caring for the poor. In the 22nd chapter, he says, "'Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness.'" and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbors work for nothing and does not give them their wages. And he goes on to say, he judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me, says the Lord, but your eyes and heart are only on your dishonest gain for shedding innocent blood and for practicing oppression and violence. You and I would do well to remember others who are in need, but it is so easy for us to forget. I have a phone that gives me direction. Do you have GPS available at your fingertips? It travels with me all the time but especially in the car when I'm not sure how to get from where I am to my next destination, I will ask Siri, and I have to be careful here to speak her name lightly because she will answer me. 
I will ask and she will give me directions. But now when I'm on the road and headed there, if I decide to stop and get a Coke and a moon pie, Siri begins to get upset with me. And I will pull into a minute market and, and Siri will be talking with me even in the store and saying, return to the route. If I get on the road and I have decided that I, I want to go a different direction, Siri will say rerouting, rerouting. If I get to going in the opposite direction, having made the decision not to go to that destination after all, Siri will become very, very upset with me and will begin to say, take a U-turn, which I'm not sure is legal in Georgia. I don't know. <laughs> but. She wants me to get on the right track to the destination. The problem with you and I is that we find it so easy to lose direction and to begin to move in a direction that is not of God at all. In fact, we will break all kinds of rules and even be in direct opposition to what the heart of God desires in creation if we do not connect with the directions that he wishes for us to go daily. This is something that Jeremiah finally deduced was only the thing that God could put back in place something that only God could redeem. And so he began to imagine with the heart of God what that might look like. And as he shared, it began to occur to him that the only thing that could make this right is if God forgets the sins of humanity. I had an interesting conversation with a woman who told me that for years she had had a strained relationship with her mother-in-law and I know you're saying so what's new but this was a very strained relationship in fact there were times in which um, the mother-in-law uh, felt I, by deduction, the, the person that was telling me this, that, that the mother-in-law just did not like her. And in fact, she went on to confess. She, she said, and frankly, I'm not sure I liked her either. And so there was a brokenness to that relationship until, until, she said, until my mother-in-law began to get dementia and she said it was interesting because as she moved into her inability to remember she forgot that she did not like me and she said the last couple of years of her life were the best our relationship had ever been now it may be that that hits too close to home for some of you, but you might also see how significant forgetting can be.
We think of forgetting as being an annoyance and even as a threatening thing. And yet in this circumstance particularly, not only this woman's circumstance with her mother-in-law, but God's connection with the people of Israel, that forgetting was absolutely crucial to setting things right. I was listening to a podcast that our oldest daughter, Margaret, had sent me earlier this week, and it was about uh, an interview with Dolly Parton. It, in fact, if you want to look this up, it's called Dolly Parton's American. I think there are only two installments. It's brand new. It's very new. But uh, she said, you got to listen to this, Dad. Um, and so I listened to it, and I was fascinated because I didn't really know the story of Dolly Parton. And uh, I learned that, that she had been long-term um, on a show with Porter Wagner. And some of you know this very well, especially if you are uh, country music fans, especially you would know the story. But uh, Porter Wagner had welcomed her onto the show. And across the years, um, Porter Wagner's uh, fame began to ebb while, while uh, Dolly Parton's began to rise. And, and uh, because of that, their relationship was very conflicted at certain points. And as Dolly was sharing with this person who was interviewing her on the podcast, um, the person said to her, I guess that that forgiveness had to figure into that equation. And she paused and she said, forgiveness is everything. And I thought, that's powerful. Some of you may remember that, uh, that the song that Whitney Houston made famous uh, was written by Dolly. And it was written of that relationship I thought it was just a romantic relationship that someone had written this song about, but it was about that, that connection of relationship with Porter Wagner where she said, if I should stay, I will only be in your way. You know the song, don't you? So I'll go, but I know I'll think of you every step of the way, and I will always love you. Such a fascinating Thing, their relationship. I want to agree with, with Dolly Parton here, which makes me also in agreement with Jeremiah, and that is that forgiveness is absolutely crucial to our relationships with each other. Some of you know this very well. Some of you realize that you've been holding on to things that have been an injury to you and to the other person that may have inflicted an injury upon you. God wishes for us to be free in a world that is filled with his peace and his good news and his love for all. In the third century, there was a bishop in the church that tried his best 
to whittle away what he considered to be the excess of Scripture. You realize that at the third century, uh, the Bible as we know it had not yet been fully put together. And so this bishop, Bishop Martian, he proposed that this part of the Bible just not be included at all. That which we call the Old Testament, Martian said, we really don't need this. In fact, it conflicts with itself and it has a direct conflict with that which we consider to be scripture, which is the New Testament writings. But Martian went further than that. He said, he said to tell you the truth, I think we need to leave Matthew and Mark and John out of the equation too. He said, we can keep most of Luke. And he said to the early church, he said, he said, most of the epistles are not necessary, but the epistle to the church at Galatia, that is at the heart of the gospel. Now, you can imagine what the church did with him finally. Um, they did not lynch him, but they did decide that, that his way of thinking was not adequate to cover all of what was a part of who we are as the church. And so we have before us the scripture as it is contained in the covers of our Bible. That which was received on Mount Sinai is in our Bible. The story of Moses having gone there to receive those tablets of the law, the Ten Commandments that he brought down to the people and that the people finally embraced and began to allow other covenant to develop around that which was the original Torah. And as they did, you would think that they would be very attentive to all of these laws. But truly, it was not possible for them. And they began to be caught in the trap of not being able to be attentive enough. And their reaction to that was finally to put aside that which they could not be faithful to. And they kept it as first hidden from themselves and then sought to hide it from God as well. That they were not faithful in their covenant. But you know, you can't hide this from God. God knows what's going on in our lives. And in fact, Jeremiah was the one that was seeking to bring things back in right order. It's not so easily done. And so I think that God was the one that discovered what it took. It took not only forgiveness, but a forgetfulness, which he willed upon himself and thereby was able to reestablish covenant relationship with these people that had been so disobedient in caring for others. I need your assistance here to think for just a moment with me. When have you in your life said something or done something that you wish that you could forget 
Hold that in your hand for just a moment. In fact, just figuratively place that thought in your hand and grasp it. What in some way have you said or done that you wish that you could forget? And now in your other hand, think for just a moment and place something someone else has said or done that has injured you and hold that for just a moment and would you bow your heads as we share in just a moment of prayer Holy Father in this moment we look to you because we admit truly that we do not know what to do with those matters of which we are utterly ashamed and those matters that seem to have gripped us for life that we are angry about and disturbed about in our being all of this requires we know your gracious presence and so here today we relinquish to you all that we have done that we wish we could forget all that has been done to us that we wish to forget we empty it into your hands and release it to Christ amen I do know that some things are not so easily released and yet isn't this worth our efforts if God gave himself over to not only forgiving but forgetting the sins of Israel and Judah is that not a good indication for how we should also forgive and forget it's important that this be written on all of who we are tattoos have become mainstream in fact I would be absolutely shocked if we were not a congregation that have a number of tattoos among us don't get up and show me right now okay <laughs> but if, if you don't believe that we are in a culture of tattoos you need to go to Walmart and just observe my problem is that I want to read the tattoos which puts me in too close a proximity to some of the fo folk that I am there with and I frankly admire some of the work that is there I uh, do believe that there are people that wish to mark their lives with things that they want to remember and that they want to embrace and you see this is where this gets close to home because Jeremiah says that God wishes to inscribe this not just on our skin but he wishes to burn this into our hearts the word is to cut it in 
that it would be written, that it would be cut into our hearts. You remember when Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? His response was so simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And there's another one that is just like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. This needs to be inscribed on who we are from the very core of our being. When I was in Sunday school, we used to sing a chorus. I wonder if you have sung it too. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. This is the only thing that will set right what is wrong in our lives and in the world. Will you allow for this kind of change? God wishes to change the world through each of us. As we come to the close of worship, there's another beautiful hymn that Jacob will come and lead us in. And I hope that you will see this as a prayer as it was intended to be. Number 451. Jacob, would you lead us?